We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, August 10th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, my friend Jim Coventry is with me. This is the third time this summer, Jim. We've been getting very been hanging out a lot. Yes, yeah, been a great time. Looking forward to today as well. All right. Um, First thing I want to talk about, what we're going to do today is, is review some of the items from the Thursday night games. There were 12 preseason games on Thursday night, um, with the caveat that preseason doesn't tell us everything, but it tells us some things, and we always want to see what nuggets we can take out of it. First of all, Saquon Barkley, Super Bowl, Giants, NFL rushing leader, right? <laughs> that first run was amazing. But what I like best about that first run is the Giants personnel package on the field. They, I, they ran two tight ends. And they ran three tight ends on different plays after that. And it shows that they're looking to use formation and understand that they're going to be a run-first team. And when they were in obvious passing situations, they did convert their personnel to th- th- um, um, three receivers. But um, I like the fact that they're showing an early sign that they want to line up and smash the ball. Okay, so one thing I noticed about that play, in addition to, you know, that was that was a nice way to start if you were a pro Saquon or a Giants fan, but... He had to bounce that out. He had nowhere to run. 
right? Correct. <laughs> and he had good patience with it because he had to hesitate for a brief second before he made that cut to get to the outside. So, yeah, he showed really nice vision on that. So, so the people, when, before he got drafted, you know, there was a lot of talk about how it's so funny. I joke, I like to joke that at, right now, every year there's a generational running back. But, <laughs> there, <yeah. laughs> but um, when people watched him, you know, this universal gushing over the guy, right? And well-deserved. But sure. for people who looked and said, okay, if we're going to nitpick, he tends to not hit the hole. He tends to bounce. Now, on that run, he probably had to. But he, he tends to not hit the hole hard but bounces outside. Have you seen that when you watched him? Not, not really last night, but overall? Not enough to think it's a pressing issue. Okay. Now – now, remember, that complaint was out on Le'Veon Bell a few years back, and <laughs> right. it worked out decently for him. Yeah, he, he's not uh, – he, if, if, if Saquon could be Le'Veon Bell, that would be pretty good. But, yeah, that was an interesting – that was a nice start um, for people. You know, people were joking on Twitter last night. Oh, he's RB1 now. Move ahead of everybody. <laughs> yeah, that first run. I knew that was going to happen. I kind of snickered as soon as I saw that big run as well. <laughs> Uh, all right, folks, uh, before we move on, just remember, check us out on Twitter. Jim's at Jim Cov Football, Jim C-O-V Football, and I'm at Hoffman 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire, get player updates at Rotowire NFL, and we're on Facebook doing lots of stuff there. All right, moving on. Let, let's cover the injuries first. And the big one is Darius Geis. Um, we are recording right now. It's a little after 1130 Eastern on Friday. The diagnosis on Darius Geis is a sprained MCL. Um, the Redskins have not given a timetable as of yet, as we're talking about it now. The usual, Jim and I were scrambling to find the usual uh, medical expert subjects on Twitter. We didn't get any clarity because it's kind of a new news. We knew he had a knee injury last night. The, the report, I think it was from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, said sprained MCL. The, the, se- the consensus seems to be so far that, hey, we hope he'll be ready for week one. And now by the time you listen to this, you might know more. But I'm not necessarily – I probably wasn't going to draft Geis anyway because he's a little expensive for me. But even if we think he can be ready for week one, does missed practice time for a rookie from here on out, which is four weeks before the opener, well, how, how much do we need to worry about that? I don't think we have to worry that much for the following reasons. Chris Thompson self-reported a couple of weeks back that he doesn't think his injury from last year will be right till at least November. Not always the pass, pass, pass catching back. We know what Samaj P. Ryan brought to the table last year, and I guess you could say he's not a threat to Geis. And Rob Kelly, although he's been a decent player when on the field, he missed most of last year with an injury as well, he's not a threat. So if Geis is healthy enough week one, I don't think they have the players that could take away much in the way of playing time for him. All right. So, what do you so, think about that? Well, I, I I think that's fair, but I, they've they've been willing to use Kelly and P Ryan before. They haven't been especially good, but sometimes I, I just feel like NFL coaches sometimes you know if if they don't trust a rookie, then they're looking. I don't think he's looking for reasons to keep guys on the bench. That's not what I mean. It's gonna, if, if he misses practice time and, you know, he's worried that he's going to miss a block, then he's probably not going to play on a lot of passing downs anyway. Um, or, 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 you know, a, pretty, pretty clear passing downs. I'm just worried that he maybe, they'll, you know, they're going to let him work him, himself back at a pace that we fantasy owners might not like. 
Well, if we use the last couple of years with Jay Gruden as a point of reference, Rob Kelly played extensively as a rookie, yeah. and last year P. Ryan played extensively as a rookie. Okay. So I think he's his I mean, his recent track record has proven he has no issues throwing a rookie into a full role if that's what the team needs at that point in time. All right, that's fair. Um, all right, so just monitor the Darius Guy Sinji people. Th- uh, third round, are you still taking him? <sighs> no, no. If he went to the fourth, and if it was one of those drafts in which I needed a second running back, and I know they're going to disappear off the board very quickly, I would take a one-round discount on him. Mm-hmm. But for the potential that this could get him off to a slow start, right? yeah, I think that would be enough for me to draft a safer player at this point. Okay, I'm with you. But like I said, I wasn't drafting him anyway. Okay, um, let's move on. The 49ers had a couple of injuries. Um my, my Alexa just went on. Oh, now I said Alexa. Now it's going to go on. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. Well, tell Alexa I said hello. You can't say it out loud because it, it starts talking back to you. That's All right. Awesome. Anyway, um, 49ers had a couple of injuries. George Kittle and Matt Breida. Let's talk about the running backs first. So uh, Williams is meh. Um, Matt Breida's hurt. Shoulder injury. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, he's not well cast as a, as a, as a workhorse kind of back. But if Breida's shoulder injury and what Kyle Shanahan said about both injuries said basically for him and Kittle said, I think it's going to be some time. I don't know how much time, but I think it's going to be some time. And it sounds like he doesn't think it's going to be back next week. Um, there were reports about a week ago that Matt Breida, one, one beat writer said Matt Breida is the best running back in camp. Um, do you, does any of this news, first of all, running back, does it make you look at McKinnon and say, hey, I might get more work here? And is that a good thing? I think the timing of the injury could not have been better. We have over a month until opening day. And if they weren't talking MRI, which had neither of those guys they were talking about, like we had to hurry and hustle them in to get him, you know, some imaging done. So my guess is these are going to be somewhat minor injuries. So I think that doesn't give me any pause on to change my mind on the McKinnon Brita workload. Brita is going to be significantly involved probably in the area of eight to 12 touches a week depending on game script mm-hmm. and um and I, I agree with you on mckinnon mckinnon isn't going to have a massive workload as is but brita i mean i can't based on what i saw and the little i've heard he's got to be ready full go for week one and he earned the trust of the coaching staff last year okay what what about uh but, but the george kittle train is just that there's sadness on the george kittle train today <laughs> Again, I, I think same thing. I saw I saw him the injury, and he wasn't wincing in pain. He popped up pretty quickly. Um, you know, he pointed to the sideline to get him a substitute, but his arm wasn't dangling off to the side. So. It, I mean, again, it's the eye test. It seemed like it was a fairly minor injury. That's going to potentially get owners maybe a little discount on Kittle possibly in drafts but um again based on what i saw it didn't look like an injury that would be one like oh man he's going to be missing time okay. regular season all right so i mean another one to be determined like i said we are doing this on friday and this is you know we we promised that we'd get podcasts out and we can't wait around for injuries all day so you might know more just keep keep an eye on this one um josh Doxson hurt his shoulder did i hear that you did and at first they made it sound like no big deal then a few days Days later, kind of resurfaced that it was a bit of a deal. And so it's very cryptic. 
But but here's the whole thing with Josh Doxson anyway. So I'm going to segue to Alex Smith just for a minute. Everybody, not everybody, um, many people are really hyping Alex Smith last year. Mm-hmm. To me, they're paying for a career year. His career year in Kansas City, he had Mahomes over his shoulder. For the first time in his career, he was aggressive because it was like death desperation time for him now he's got two deep threats in Doxon and Richardson mm-hmm. honestly Alex Smith over the course of his career he's not gonna be raining down bombs on Doxon and Richardson that's not his profile right last and, year it looked like it was but right it was but it was yeah it, perfect it was such an anomaly and it was and that reasoning it even showed in training camp last year when all of a sudden Alex Smith like took the gloves off and just you know really started getting aggressive he'll be back to Alex Smith this year He's yeah. safe. He's dink and dunk, Alex Smith. Yeah. Definitely. And, and by the way, and to clear up, Josh Doxson's shoulder that was not last night like the other two we mentioned, or the other three we mentioned. Um, but the other ones last night, uh, I know you watched some of We're going to talk a little more later um, about Colt Seahawks. Colts had a couple of injuries. Um, Marlon Mack hurt his hamstring, which it – okay, so looking at this depth chart, I was talking yesterday, and it's not the first time. I was talking with uh, Brandon Marion Lee about uh, Jordan Wilkins. So he played in the fourth quarter, I think, but Marlon Mack got hurt. Turbin's going to miss the first four games with a suspension. Naheem Hines is impressing everybody, but he's a little dude. Um, So now the Kristen Michael truthers might come back out now. Um, And Jordan Wilkins might have a path. Marlon Mack, the hamstring, you can't be encouraged about a hamstring injury in a preseason game. Yeah, he on the run too. It, it was again. He didn't fall to the ground, but he immediately grabbed at his hamstring. Yes, he did, um, and so I'm hoping it was you know, a typical preseason, not ready to be at full speed. I'm hoping it's one of these short term. But like you, you're intimating, we have no idea with hamstrings. It could be very tricky. But you bring up a great point. This potentially opens the door for Wilkins to steal the early down job. Not Kristen, Kristen Michael. Michael. We've seen enough. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, he. I get. I would almost call him a camp body at this point, because the track record is so well established with him. It really is. And I can't see him as a guy who's all of a sudden going to get better. Right. I mean, he kind of is what he is. So this is a great opportunity. If Mac misses a week or two, yeah, it's a great chance for Wilkins. But before Mac's injury, he really looked good in the offense. Yeah. Um, caught a nice swing pass. Um. On the outside, made some good yardage there. A couple nice runs. Um, he looked comfortable. And it wasn't, you know, whoever gets the majority of that early work, they're not going to see the stacked boxes they saw last year because Andrew Luck's under center. So somebody's going to have a really nice opportunity. But, man, did this muddy the waters up. It, it really did. So uh, watch Marlon Mack. But if you were stashing Jordan Wilkins, this could be potentially, let's say, positive news. Um, not yeah, that the yeah. injuries are positive, but. No, but talk about a chance where somebody really can get a chance now and just take something over. And if somebody grabs a hold of that role, I mean, they could seize it and it could be theirs for a long time. All right. The last one on the Colts, uh, Deion Kane came out with a knee injury. Um, he's been playing really, he's one of those guys who the reports out of camp, when you hear about Colts camp, you hear about Deion Kane, that, that he's been playing well and standing out and everybody's excited and all that stuff, and he's got a knee injury. Um, so we're going to have to watch that one too because that that was uh, – got another conversation I was having yesterday was so, if Luck's healthy, T.Y. Hilton can't be the only cult receiver to to 
get some value. There's going to have to be someone else, and it might be one of the tight ends more than anyone, but I, I, Deion Kane was the one I had been kind of eyeballing. So Same here. I have him in a, a um, dynasty league, and I'm really I was excited about his prospects. But, yeah, he needs the reps in camp to be effective year one. If he misses significant preseason action, that chemistry is going to be a problematic for him. Right. All right. So um, moving on to the games last night. Now, I don't know what you've watched. I watched some of a couple of games last night. I watched some highlights this morning. I did not stay up all night watching Game Pass. I don't know about you. So we are these, these t- take these, I don't want to say take these uh, comments that we're going to make now with a grain of salt, but this has not been in-depth, exhaustive study, unless you've been up for the last 12 hours watching tape of every game, Jim, that I don't know about. So Four games. Yeah, I watched the starters for four. And yeah. I also, and then the key reserves, like I watched Lamar Jackson play, but yeah, Ravens, Rams, Cowboys, Niners, Browns, Giants, Colts, Seahawks. Those are the four games I saw the starters play. Okay, so... Um, Baker Mayfield looked really strong, didn't he? I like the way that when he moved in the pocket, yeah. he kept his eyes downfield. He was looking for something to emerge, and when it didn't, he was cool to take off, and he was very cognizant of where the sticks were at. Mm-hmm. And he just showed a real headiness that a lot of young quarterbacks don't show. Kind of unconscious, and I know we'll talk about him in a minute, Lamar Jackson will just sometimes take off and run, and he's not really looking downfield. But Mayfield, he shows that poise. I mean, he looked like a veteran. He did. He he had one one of the touchdowns. He threw one in the back of the end zone. Was that Joku who caught the touchdown in the back of the end zone? The Joku, yes, his so, second touchdown of the night. I mean, that was his. That was not his primary read on on the touchdown. That he looked no, elsewhere. It, he looked out. He looked out to the flat. And didn't like what he saw, so then he adjusted and hit Joku in the back of the end zone. And it was not an easy completion. Joku had a guy in front of him and a guy trailing him kind of quickly. But it was like Mayfield realized, he, he figured out all the factors. He, you could tell he realized the size of his target, big guy in the back of the end zone, and the ball placement. And man, that ball could not have been thrown much better than it was. Now, I, I felt like there were a couple of plays. The, the touchdown to Callaway mm-hmm. was perfect. It was beautiful. He he could not have led him any better. No, that was Greg Maddox pitching for the Braves. Yeah. I mean, just exactly the speed and the placement could not have been better. Yep. Dude, but some of the balls he threw looked like they were behind people. I mean, I guess you're not perfectly accurate all the time, but his calling card is his accuracy. I mean, that that's why... You know, the accuracy and the headiness, as you put it, or, or why you got him or why you think he's going to be good. Did you find that he threw behind people? Some of the, I, I, I watched, I mean, I'm, tell, I'm watching this from watching all the throws and a few, I, mean, I kind of looked at a few of them and went, uh, those, there were a few more behind people that I liked. Did you see that or is it me? I'm glad you bring this up because that game was on NFL Network and a lot of people saw it. And what everybody needs to understand is that one of the main things these quarterbacks are working on are timing with their receivers Mm -hmm. and chemistry. And they don't have either of those yet. It was great when he realized the Joku and Callaway throws, but a lot of throws are going to be off in the preseason just because especially when there's a play on the move, not quite sure where the receiver is going to go, how hard he's going to break. So I think these are things that are going to be a natural progression of development of a quarterback. 
And so I didn't see those as negatives. I saw them as growth opportunities. Okay. Once he knows those receivers, I, I think the accuracy he showed in college is something that will continue to manifest itself at this level. All right. Um, and the other guy I mentioned, Antonio Callaway. So as of right now, um, John Dorsey said yesterday, the GM of the Browns said he, still, he doesn't have a timetable on Josh Gordon, which uh, you, you have to be concerned at this point. We hope the guy gets well or is well or whatever, but um, – and there's there there might be some opportunity there for Antonio Callaway, who's got issues of his own off the field, right? But, um, there's there's a ton of talent there, and right now, with the Corey Coleman trade and the Josh Gordon uncertainty, there might be some opportunity for Antonio Callaway. You're absolutely correct, yeah, and that's all it comes down to. There's opportunity, and the player has some skill level. Yeah, a lot of good things can happen. Very personal opinion on Gordon. Um, and they have nothing to substantiate this on. I really believe it's that the hard knocks crew is in their camp. And I think that is adding to a lot of his anxiety. Personal opinion may be wrong, but I think when it's closer to the time when they're getting kind of wrapped up with that, I wouldn't be surprised if he he showed up in the camp at that point. So if that's the case, why the heck did they agree to that? I don't know. Maybe they know uh, it's going to happen. They're, but. they're the Cleveland Browns, John. That's all, all right. I'm going to say. The Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Fair enough. And now, now I want to back up a bit. I I can't say that unless your league is pretty darn deep that I would go draft Antonio Callaway. I think he's more of a watch list for you than a than a draftable player at this point. Yes, absolutely correct. Okay. Great call on that. All right. Um. Let's see. So we talked about that. We talked about Saquon. So enough Browns, Giants. Um, so Colts, Seahawks. Let's go to that one. We talked about the Colts injuries. Andrew Luck looked, I mean, if, if you were looking to, to see what Andrew Luck looked like and, and alleviate your concerns, I think your concerns are alleviated in how he looked. He looked pretty normal. He looked like Andrew Luck, right? Yes. And it wasn't any of his passing that made that happen. It was the run. It was when he was in the pocket, mm-hmm. he saw an opportunity to take a run, didn't think about it, and he went, he took a fairly big hit, and he got up smiling because he was really happy that he got, you know, he felt fine after taking a big hit. And to me, that was the litmus test. It wasn't the throwing. Okay. And Andrew Luck, by the way, everybody, to remind you, his running ability, his running production for a, as a fantasy quarterback has always been pretty good. I mean, he, if you look at his numbers, every full season he's played, at least two touchdowns, a um, couple, you know, 250, 300 yards. He's, it, it, it's a nice little bonus when you, when you own Andrew Luck. He's similar to Aaron Rodgers in how they choose to run. Yeah. You know, they really have such a great mind for reading the defenses, and they know when that opportunity to take that yardage is there, and they're both very willing to take those opportunities. Okay, um... On the other side of that game, Rashad Penny. <laughs> so he played early. He played with the first team, right? Yes. Okay. Mixed in. Mixed in. Mixed in. Right. Mixed in. No, no room to run, which you look and you go, Seahawks, big shock. Right? That there's no holes and there's they're, it, them saying they're going to establish themselves as a running team is contingent on some skills that they might not have on their roster. So as always, small sample size alert. But whenever Chris Carson ran the ball, yeah, he always moves forward when there are bodies on him. He'll get anywhere from one to three yards after that pileup of contact. 
in the couple of opportunities where Penny got hit, dropped straight down, no inertia moving forward. I have to think that the coaching staff realizes the value of one yard or two yards on a run where it's not there. And unless something changes, I don't see Carson moved out of an early down roll. We talk about it all the time. Pete Carroll will put the best player on the field. Penny will play. And he did a nice finding a run that he outside. It was out there. I mean, it wasn't like he did any great thing to get the 12-yard run that he outside. But he has the speed that Carson doesn't. And I think they complement each other well. But I think when they want to bang the ball up the middle, I, I got to think it's going to be Carson. So, all right. This is not – your opinion on that has is not – a popular one among the people have, that have been on this podcast with me over the last month. Most of them are kind of, you know, seem to be the opinion. Well, you know, Penny, they draft, they drafted him in the first round. They wouldn't have done it if he wasn't going to play most of the time. Well, why, why did they? Forgetting that, why, if Carson is this good, like they're probably not surprised at what they're seeing from Carson. Maybe they felt like they couldn't trust him, injuries, whatever. Then why did they pick Penny in the first round? You know, sometimes the GM makes a decision that the coach doesn't sign on. Um, I, I, it's been very clear, even last year, how enamored Pete Carroll was with Carson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he speaks glowingly of everybody, but he's over the top with Carson. And even this year he's been. Um, well, we'll think back a few years. Remember they signed Matt Flynn as their big yes. free agent. They spent a good amount of money on him. And their third-round draft pick, Russell Wilson, well, Guess who was playing better in camp? And the rest of the history was written from there, right? <laughs> right. All right. Um, next up, Cowboys 49ers. Um, it's funny. I got excited when I saw that Dante Pettis caught a 53-yard pass, but it was playing with C.J. Bathard, which made me sad <laughs> because he wasn't playing with Garoppolo. Exactly. Because um, I think I got Dante, Dante Pettis in one of my deep like fishbowl or something like that when I had a 20-something man roster. Um Michael Gallup playing with the ones, caught a touchdown pass from Dak Prescott. He keeps living, he keeps adding to the hype train, doesn't he? Yeah, and the, and that is really going to send Gallup's ADP skyrocketing. <laughs> As if there are drafts today, if you want him, you're going to have to strongly consider eleventh round, maybe wow. something like that. Wow, you think? I I mean, people maybe. go nuts. You know how people go nuts. Yeah. When they see a, a touchdown pass on the outside and Dallas has no receivers, people are so reactionary. Somebody in a league is going to say, yep, he's the number one on Dallas now. Well, he and might become – I mean, the path to becoming might. that is not a hard one. Oh, not difficult at all. And All right, I am not going to draft him anywhere. If I had a really deep roster, I would stash him. But whenever Deontay Thompson is on a field mm – -hmm. And he gets the ball thrown his way. You know, he's been fairly productive. He had a really good run with the Bears at the end of the season two years ago when basically everybody got hurt. And last year, he had a few opportunities in Buffalo when they actually threw the ball deep. And I only had a 100-yard game. And I know he's a career special teamer. But I tell you what, it would not surprise me. If we start seeing Deontay Thompson get some significant reps in training camp games, I could see him becoming a primary deep threat for them. Okay. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting deep sleeper to look at there. Um, otherwise, let's see. We talked about um, the injuries for the Niners, so let's move on from that game. The last game that you watched, the ones, 
Can Maybe. I say one more thing on Dallas? Absolutely. All right. So, and, and you, I know the last podcast I was postulating about this, but I saw it in action last night. And there was a short yardage play that the Cowboys had, and they didn't waste any time. Three tight ends on the field. <laughs> and basically, if you're watching from the end zone view, you couldn't see the 49ers line. They were, they were all engulfed by this <laughs> wall of Cowboys. And they just... <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, they blew off the ball and all, all the running back, I think it was Rod Smith on the play. All he had to do was say, okay, wait a second, which, which hole do I want? And then he found it and got like three yards, no problem. And because the defense, you only got so many bodies you can stack in the box. And if you have a second as a running back, well, if the extra defenders like moving to the right, you find a hole on the left. It was amazing. So I just wanted to talk about that, but they are so committed to putting massive bodies on that line, Zeke's going to go off this year. All right. So, Zeke averaged 24 carries a game last year. 24.2. Yes. Similar? You think he's going to be up? You think he's going to have like a – what did DeMarco Murray have that year? 390? 390, yeah. And that was without the receptions, right? You, you think we're going to be up there? Yep. Ab- absolutely, yes. And the team talks about how last year not only was he, was he distracted, but he wasn't in very good shape. Um, maybe the stress got to him, but they say this year his his level of fitness is extremely better than it was last year, and he looks like a man who's completely ready to take on a massive workload and and thrive in it. Okay, so I'm in a standard league. I'm looking at this, and to what you said, just add, adds fuel to the fire of what you were talking about, right? That basically it's Zeke or nothing, which it was last year. I mean, 24 carries a game is a lot. Well, yeah, that's so, that's basically 400 carries a year, right? right. Minus 16. So, so it'd be 384. So even if he averages four, okay, now we're at almost 1,600 yards. Yep. We're at 1,550. Receiving-wise, you think he's going to get, I mean, 250 on the low end, right? They have to, yes. Now, e- yes. Now yes. we're at 1,800 from scrimmage. 10 touch. He has to get 10 touchdowns, at least. Yes, he's their goal linebacker. So, if we're all, we're all talking about the top four running backs, is Zeke more money in the bank than the other three? I say he is because he's the one. He really doesn't have an injury history. Right. I mean, the other guy. I love the other guy. And if you get into PPR, maybe a different story. If Le'Veon Bell or is going to catch, you know, seventy-five balls, and David Johnson probably is, and all that, and Gurley catches a bunch more. Basically, there are better receivers than Zeke. He's not ter- Zeke's not terrible, but the other guys are better. But but now, I mean, we're all trying to figure out how to organize those top four. And Elliot winds up, he winds up third, I feel like, more often than not. Everybody's taking Gurley first. Like, I, I, do you, I see the receiving upside with Gurley, and I see that he's in a better offense. But Elliot is just, the volume is going to be ridiculous. Yes. And, and I think when you're saying even, and you're being conservative, rightfully so, saying four yards a carry, I mean... He could be five yards to carry, and and that would not shock me for a second. Behind that line, even with stacked boxes, right? He's a great runner. So and go ahead and think about the receiving you talked about. Now teams are they're going to go cover zero against them frequently. They're going to put nine men in the box. Now if you throw a screen pass to your running back against cover zero, think yeah. of the opportunities on the edge he'll get. Right. When the defenders are all smashed in the middle and the small cornerbacks on the outside are occupied by a receiver who may be able to block them out. All right. So 
this all assumes health like everything does. If he goes 24 yards, 24 carries a game again, 24.2, 16 games, and I did 4.2 yards a carry, we're up to, we're up to 16.12 rushing. Yep. We haven't gotten into pass, receiving yards yet. Nope. So we're at 1,900 probably. And that's, and, ten, and double digit touchdowns. Like that's, if, if you want a, if, if you are drafting in the first round to avoid risk, Right, you don't, you don't, you're not taking shots in the first round. You're, you're, you're saying, I, you know, I need to trust what I get. Like, do, like you said, like I said a minute ago, and you agreed. I mean, do you trust him over the other three backs? You probably yeah, I've do. Taken him number one, yeah. I've taken him number one in three drafts already. All right, well, then I don't have to sell you then. Okay. And on RotoWire, we have our blogs that are free. If you want, if anybody looks up my blog, about a month ago, I wrote up why Zeke should be the yeah, number one did. pick, and I gave a detailed analysis of that. Yep, check that out. It's really good, everybody. Actually, um, all right, we're gonna do before we get to the last game. Uh, Odd new fantasy football is the next level fantasy football challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters, accumulate college player prospects to lead your team into the future, or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Odd new fantasy football never sleeps with year-round trades and off-season arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Odd becomes addicted at www.oddnewfootball.com. O t t o n e u. Odd new better fantasy football. So I heard that you uh, you lost out on Anthony Miller to Luke Hoover. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Luke's a great friend. Um, he loved Anthony Miller, and um, I really had my sights set in a different direction. I only had six roster spots to fill, okay. and I really wanted Kenny Galladay, and I got him at a very low cost. I may not have – I may have got him for $9, and then don't quote me on that. And I think Hoover got a Miller for like 15 and you know, so we both got our guy, and we both got him cheap. I got Hoover for – I got Miller for 15 too. I had the night yeah. before. I got yeah, um, I mean, but Hoover's all over him. Yeah, I got a. Uh, you know, who I got. I thought was cheap. I know it's not PPR. Golden Tate. I got him for twenty nine. When other guy receivers were going for fifties and sixty, and oh, I know Tate's great. a different kind of guy, but I, I felt like he went cheap. But then I then I pick, got quarterbacks. I said, wow, I got these quarterbacks cheap, and then people started getting quarterbacks for three dollars. Yeah, it, it, the auctions are so odd like that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. But it, there's a good value on Tate. And I know we talked in one of our previous podcasts, but it's a good reminder that the Lions led the league in 11 personnel last year, three receivers on the field. And all three of those receivers benefit from that yep. because defenses are not going to be able to you know, seal off any one of those guys. So every one of them has great value this year. All right. Um, the last game I want to talk about is – that you watch the ones is Ravens Rams. Yes. Um, so it's funny. I looked at, when I first checked the stats this morning, I saw that Brashad Perryman caught a touchdown. Because <laughs> oh, there's been people who really have been, you know, hoping for Brashad Perryman. Then I saw it was in the fourth quarter. I went, oh, that, that, that means nothing right now. No, that means no. he's buried. So don't get excited think, about that one. And I think Chris Moore will end up ahead of Perryman if Perryman makes the team. All right. The other thing, um, we, you brought up Lamar Jackson earlier in an issue that I wanted to raise with you. Um, so he ran for this nine-yard touchdown. And when you see him run, he's, just, he's so good when he runs. Oh, yes. Yes. But on this touchdown, he stepped up in the pocket. And he, you know, it's funny, the, we, we saw some plays last year. And there was one in particular, I think it was against North Carolina, 
that everybody loves to watch that he threw deep, that basically he stepped up in the pocket and he kept his eyes upfield and he hit a guy for a deep touch. And everybody said, oh, look at the look at He keeps his eyes up and he, he, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders <laughs> and all this stuff. And it was a great looking play. You, you can Google and find it. It's a great play. So this play, he stepped up and man, he just tucked. He tucked the ball and ran. There was no, I'm going to see if I can find a receiver before I cross the line of scrimmage. He was, he was out. Is that... Is that something that's concerning for a running quarterback? I mean, he's a rookie. There's adjustments. There's growth periods, et cetera. What did you think of that play? And I don't want to read too much into one play. Well, I do think you hit the nail on the head. And the growing part, the speed of the game is even with the players on the field at that time who weren't like the A-level talent, the speed of the game is significantly faster than what he was used to. And this is going to take time. So sometimes when a player is uncomfortable – he reverts to what he knows he can do. And sometimes immediately tucking the ball for a running quarterback. And you've seen this, John, over all the years. Rookie quarterbacks who can run will run because it compensates for their inability to pick up reading the defense at the speed it's approaching him. Okay. So um, I think it's a growth growth process. What did you think of Lamar Jackson otherwise last night? Um, well, it's funny that in the same night we see Mayfield and we see Jackson and Hoover actually sent me a text last night saying that Mayfield has the it factor, which is what I would have said as well. So totally agree with him. And Lamar Jackson kind of has the what if factor (laughs) where (laughs) right now it's not the it factor, but yeah, we have to see it's going to take a long time. You know, there were general managers before the draft that wanted to can make him a converted wide receiver and didn't yeah. even view him as a quarterback. I remember. I mean, the fact that school of thought is out there, we know he has athleticism. Well, look at Terrell Pryor. He was a quarterback. Didn't stay there for long. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, but we got to give him time. Yeah. We, yeah it's going to be, and it's going to be next training camp. I think he'll start to learn some. All right. Um, I watched being in Charlotte. I watched some of Panthers bills. Um, the two things. First, Christian McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey got all the work with the first string. C.J. Anderson got a short yardage touchdown, but it was later. Um, but McCaffrey got a two-yard touchdown early, ran with the one. I, I, it was interesting. I've I, been joking around about you know Ron Rivera saying he's going to get 25 to 30 touches a game. But, um, Zeke, but, Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> yeah, he, but he, he, he was – the, the usage last night suggested that the workload will get bigger. Let's put it that way, which they're like, they ain't lying about that part of it. Um, right. The other thing in that game, so I watched part of the second half, fourth quarter, a lot of it, and I was watching Josh Allen. And man, that arm is, that, that lived up to every bit of the billing. I know I've seen some of his college tape, but he's just, sure did. that guy scrambling, throwing off his back foot, hitting a guy 35 yards downfield. Or whatever. I mean, it's just, actually, I shouldn't say hitting a guy. It was more like missing a guy, but able to throw it deep and with authority. <laughs> um, because that part of it lived up to the hype too. But what I noticed with Josh Allen in the fourth quarter that went is, is kind of like Lamar Jackson. And it, it intrigued me because I knew Allen was athletic. But he, when he got in trouble, he tucked and ran. Like he got, he said, I am getting out of here and running. And he, and he showed good speed. I mean, he wound up three carries for 29 yards, probably would have ran one or two more times if they didn't you know, drag him down. But that got me thinking that if he plays the rushing yardage there might be some little bonus there with the rushing yardage on the days where he goes you know 11 for 27 for 142 yards 
You're absolutely correct. And again, we talk about the rookie quarterbacks and running the ball, and they will run it more as rookies than they will later. And he has, as you said, the ability to do so. So you're right. He would be a player. Well, think back to Tim Tebow, right? The guy couldn't throw the football, and he was a QB1. Yep. Right. So, I mean, you're you're right. I, mean, I hadn't even thought of that angle. So you're, you're on to something there. If Allen is in line to play, um, definitely a starter in two quarterback leagues, like immediately with good upside for running. Right. But yeah, that arm is, he, he overthrew someone deep that just, you know, it's one of those things you look and go, all right, there aren't a lot of guys who can, who can, I, I wouldn't say make that throw because he didn't convert the throw, but he threw it really far. <laughs> And, You'd you know, wonder if his you wonder if his uncle was Mitch Williams, the baseball player from a couple <laughs> decades back. Mitch Williams, wow, that's a good one. Uh, the other thing I noticed in Panthers Bills that uh, that DJ Moore is a shifty guy. He they they the Panthers when they've talked about him, they've said that they someone it might have been the GM I forget exactly who said after he catches the ball he runs like a running back, and um, he. He caught, I think, four passes last night. But after the, the after the catch stuff was impressive from him. I mean, he's he's not cheap. I think he's going top forty wide receivers, which I'm not. I don't think I'm buying. But that was a really nice debut I saw from him. I was I was impressed with what I saw. You're our resident Panthers guy. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question: Based on the small bit you've seen, how do you compare? DJ Moore's skill set with Cam Newton's passing ability. How do you think those two mesh together? Um, I, I think it's good. Cam, Cam's a good. Cam throws the deep ball well. I think he can be inaccurate, but what they did is basically they were getting the ball in DJ Moore's hands on simple stuff. It was sort of like, hey, you know, I'm going to throw the ball five yards and let you, you know, l- l- let you do your thing. So it, it, the degree of difficulty for the quarterback on the plays that I saw was not high. Of course, when you're talking short passing, a degree of difficulty for Cam. Anyway, yeah. I'll stop that sentence mid right. no, I Great point. Great but point. I mean, it was sort of like, hey, let's get the ball. In the guy, let's get this ball in the guy's hands and, and, and let him work. And they did. And he looked great. So, and that's what they did at McCaffrey last year, right? Get the ball in his hands. Uh, a bit. Yes, that's right. So um, yes. and if funny, that was the idea when they drafted him and, and Curtis Samuel, for that matter. Correct. He's a fast guy. That. It was sort of a the the, the game. The, the idea last year was to go less vertical and more horizontal with the passing game. And I wonder if I mean, even though DJ Moore's fast, I think they're they're just going to try to get the ball in his hands and, and let him create. With what I saw last night, so well, that's smart. Um, and you should go check out Elijah Hood's touchdown reception, which is really cool, even though he's not going to play. Um, <laughs> on the last note, I want to get to from last night. Um, Zach Ertz was out for the Eagles, and they didn't play either of their first two string quarterbacks. Um, Dallas Goddard looked good. He caught a, a handful of passes. He's someone – I mean, the Eagles last year, obviously Zach Ertz is the guy, and they've got some good receivers. What will Is Dallas Goddard the kind of guy that if you're drafting in a dynasty league or a deep league that you would like to stash on a roster? Like, Did you like him better than Hurst and, and some of the other tight ends that got picked? Yes, I liked him more, but I just can't see rostering a player behind Zach Ertz for the one or two games he might get. It's almost like picking up a backup to Gronkowski. Well, no, I shouldn't even say that because Gronkowski gets hurt. Um, A backup to Travis Kelsey because it's like, well, when are you going to see the field? And it's not like this guy is going to come in, Goddard, and Ertz is going to become the inline blocker and Goddard the receiver. Ertz is the receiver. So 
how many we're talking years before he gets on the field right and so yes he may be a good dynasty ad but i don't if i can't use him in the next three years without crazy extending circumstances i can't put him on a dynasty squad okay fair enough um so we've got four more games this weekend uh friday night falcons jets lions raiders we're gonna see a lot of sam darnold tonight aren't we yeah i'm excited to see it yeah me too anybody anything else you're looking for on on that doubleheader Looking at the teams very quickly, I want to see how the Broncos running game, at least from an offensive line standpoint, yep. develops. I want to see what personnel packages they use. I want to see how committed to the run they are. Um, just some basic things. Um, and then over the course of weeks, try to get some clarity on their running back situation. That won't happen tonight. So, or tomorrow, I should say. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I want to see if Mike Williams gets on the field yes. for the Chargers. Because I'm really interested to see if he can have a breakout after an injury-marred rookie year. The Cardinals won't show us much. I can't see Fitz playing more than a couple snaps, and I'd, I'd be shocked if David Johnson saw the field. So not much there. Um, so, I, yeah, those are the two primary things, Broncos running game and Mike Williams. That's what I'm looking at. All right, everybody, just, just for, uh, for background, Friday night is – both games on NFL Network, Falcons, Jets, 7.30, Lions, Raiders at 10.30. Then on Saturday, you've got Vikings, Broncos on NFL Network at 9.05. This is all Eastern. And Chargers, Cardinals, no TV, so you're going to have to watch online. Um, folks, listeners to our podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Jim, what are you working on coming up? Watching every preseason game, and as the starters begin to play more time, I'll be spending more and more time watching those games. So this is the most fun month of the year, and it's the busiest by far. So that's kind of it for me. That sounds great. Um, thanks again, man. I know this is the third time. Maybe let's try to do it one more time before the season starts, okay? I would love to do that. All right. Folks, if you like this podcast, as always, leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Our Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back on Monday with another episode. Please come on back then. Have a great weekend. For Jim Coventry, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.